0: Also, I was like in the process of like coming out to everyone. I wanted that to be a huge part of my work. Like I wanted my work to feel explicitly queer. And till that point, it wasn't.
1: Hi, I'm Kavalo and this is Design This Way. Some of the content and the words in the following episode are not suitable for kids and might not be suitable for workplace or for a professional environment. If you have kids in the room or you are in a place that's not suitable for listening to such content, please pause this podcast right now and keep this episode for later. Well, on today's episode, I have with me my insanely talented, proud, queer, sick friend, Jasjo Singh Hans. Jasjot is an illustrator who is inspired by explosive neon mix of fashion, music, and pop culture. Some of the most loved artworks created by him revolve around the theme of body image, sexuality, and self-love. What I personally love about his work is his unapologetic vulnerability and honesty that he adds to his work. His client list include Google, New York Times, Adidas Originals, Snapchat, NPR, Samsung, BuzzFeed, ID Magazine. I can go on and on with these big names. He's worked with amazing clients. On this episode, we talk about Just Joe's life and his journey towards becoming the amazing artist he is now. We talk about scenes, illustrations and fashion. Just Joe shares with us some experiences that had formative impact on him. Now, without further ado, I bring you Just Singh Hans. Hey Joth, thanks for being on the podcast.
0: Hi, very glad to finally be here.
1: Yeah, we were trying to have this podcast recording done since I think September
0: for a long time. Yes, y- yeah, I had a very long conversation when I was in New York, and yeah, I'm glad we're able to do this now.
1: There's one thing that you said uh, when we were having a Skype call that uh, that we haven't heard two guys from Sick Community talk about design yep. on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I'm part of that.
0: I'm it being... was it was really bizarre how. It worked out and I was just like, wow, wait, like this doesn't happen too often. So this (laughs) has to be special. I think this episode is going to be so sick. (laughs) (laughs) No, no puns.
1: (laughs) No puns. Uh, That'd be hard for me. But anyways, yeah, so I've seen uh, almost all of your work, but the work that personally touched me and I found very fascinating was your comic book Two Babes with Love which is your personal narrative comic about unpacking masculinity, sexuality, and nostalgia. And in that book, you describe a memory from your childhood where your dad took you to a cricket match. Mm -hmm. And uh, while he was busy with his friends, you saw something that made you turn vermilion. And you also write that you encountered masculinity in a way that was alien to you. Can you take us to that moment and tell us what you felt that day?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess like having a sports person in the house and having no one else that was so actively interested in sports (laughs) within the family was... uh, So there was always this kind of like weird clash between all of us kind of almost ganging up against my dad when it came to like TV times or whatever, but... um, he would take me to his cricket matches. Not too often. He never forced me to play cricket. But... And he was
1: a professional cricketer, right? Yes. At his, in his youth.
0: Yep. So he played from UP state most of his life. And then um, he became a junior national selector and a senior national selector at the end of his term. Mm. Um, so yeah, fairly successful within his field. But um, all of us like pretty clueless. Like I had absolutely no interest in cricket or s- Sports in general. Same. Um, yeah. So he would, so when he took me to the match, he was busy doing something and I was where the pavilion was and that's where the players usually come in and change. Um, yeah, it was just super weird. It's like you encounter something and you're feeling something, but you don't know what's happening. And then right. you're like, okay, put it in the back of your head. I'm turning red, but in like, I don't know where this is going or why this is happening. Yeah, and then it's 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 there in the book. It's I just you you process these things much later in life, and uh, yeah. Look look at look at me now.
1: Did people tell you that you should also
0: become a cricketer? In in like that funny um, dad's friends kind of being like, oh, like your dad's a cricketer, but you're fat, <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> what? Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I guess like people in India people will always say what they want to say, without caring for how it affects the other person. Um, yeah. And that's something that I find like, sure there's like, a touch of honesty, but in like, you should know when to like, not say things <laughs> also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's very little like filter involved, which uh, sometimes becomes quite problematic. So, um, yeah, I think there was always this like, oh, the beta doesn't play cricket. So, but it... Yeah, I just feel like from home, there was never any pressure Mm -hmm. to play cricket. My dad, because I was also obviously interested in something else. Right. Which was? Uh, Which was, I was always drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, And my parents let me do my thing for the most part. So my dad was just like, I'm going to take you to the ground. You don't have to play. Just come there for physical fitness. Mm -hmm. Run, do your exercises. But in like, if I'm there... I would end up doing all the training <laughs> and yeah. I would end up playing in the matches even though I was horrible and no one wanted me <laughs> on the team. But um, yeah, that, that was my relationship with like my borrowed relationship of playing cricket.
1: What kind of things were you drawing? Because I read somewhere that your, uh, your mom said that when you were five-year-old at that time you could draw a face of a woman yeah. easily. A,
0: a profile, yes. That's yes. what my mom says. I don't remember it. I feel like I can't trace back to when I started drawing. I was always drawing. There mm-hmm. was always like if you gave me a pencil and paper, I would draw. Uh, I would draw in the air if no if I didn't have any. It's like, it was it was just instinctive and then
1: do you remember something that you drew at that time that you you find fascinating?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I guess what I was doing at that age was I was just trying to copy stuff. I always was fascinated by cartoons Mm -hmm. because we had no cable TV. So cartoons Uh, were like not so easily accessible also. So, and you want more of what you don't have. So I guess I was always fascinated by like more animation content. And in Doordarshan, you would only get like an hour a week or something. Yeah, 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 So, um, so yeah, as I started watching more animation, I started trying to draw those characters or like copy those images. So I think it helped me abstract Or like simplify things a lot more. Right, right, Um, right. And then as I developed my style, because I already had that knowledge, it became easier for me to kind of learn anatomy and add what I knew by just copying cartoons to my style.
1: Right. When we talked on Skype, you told me that you also were interested in uh, fashion magazines as a kid. Yes. How did you get access to fashion magazines? In my family, that would be something that was kept away. From
0: us, I think it was my mom. I have to say, my mom's really cool. <laughs> uh, she was, uh, I think, so there was like this local sort of library which was run by this very cool woman uh, that my mom would go to and issue magazines every week mm-hmm. or or books. They also had a lot of books, but um, they would get all the magazines. So my mom would get them issued just to read and kind of send back. So she always got like I remember there was a lot of L, there was a lot of Femina. What are the fashion magazines? Things? Oh, okay. I don't quite remember. Um, but yeah, I specifically remember like the images and the campaigns that I saw and I thought that they were like I could flip through them endlessly. There was Cosmopolitan sometimes which which, which is which you know Cosmopolitan is like trash. But, <laughs> uh, and I think my mum so every evening she'd go for a walk and she would lock it in her Almira. but if it's like kids will find a way yeah, yeah, yeah. to do anything, no matter how much you want to hide it from them. So we flipped through Cosmopolitan's. We get damn scandalized by like the images in it. Like that's, <laughs> it makes no sense. So um, so yeah, I was looking at a lot of uh, fashion editorial and it's just an interest that grew. But essentially, I don't think it was that active as an interest as just drawing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fashion was kind of just secondary.
1: Right. And in your comics, you describe a lot about your school times and not in a good way. There are comics that you put online where you talk about getting bullied.
0: Yeah, I hated my school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Me as well. But uh, uh, can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, gladly. I would gladly tell you about it. Um, yeah, I think school was We, weir- I guess you always know you're gay. It's one of those things that don't like you don't wake up one morning and you're like, Oh, hey, I think I'm gay. I mean, whatever way you get to where you are in terms of your uh, gender, sexuality, preference, it's great. But I guess, like, for me, I always knew, even though I didn't know what it meant or what the implications were or what that meant to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what dictates most of people's behaviors towards you, right? Like, right, you don't, right, right. You're just Again. the way you are, and then you're like, okay, this is clearly like people are looking at me funny, they're treating me funny. Um, That means there's something in me that I might need to, like, hide or change or completely, like, negate. Um, And I think over time that increased in my Mm -hmm. school life. Even though I was, like, academically, like, pretty good, Mm -hmm. um, popular in school, I could draw. um, So all the teachers knew me, but in, like, this nerdy kind of way. And... I just think all my friends were also like weird and geeky mm-hmm. and we were like our own little yeah, island yeah. of misfit toys um, but yeah as as I grew I think like kids get meaner as they learn more things and yeah, yeah. they know exactly how to get to you
1: there's, there's also this uh, uh, stereotype attached with a sick boy right Yeah. of uh, this hyper masculinity mm-hmm. of some sort uh, which I also faced in the school times uh, because, I mean, I come from Jammu and mm-hmm. uh, Sikhs from Jammu are much more conservative than Sikhs from Punjab, oh, in boy. my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I mean, I am a straight guy, says but I still liked certain things that were considered feminine, like eyeliners. I like eyeliners. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they are considered feminine, first of all, but I like eyeliners. <laughs> I would wear it sometimes and if I go to school I would be bullied in a way and then a lot of Sikh guys would tell me that not to do that. I don't know why.
0: Yeah I think it's it's weird in this like the archetype of a Sikh man is kind of weird and like in people's heads they always imagine like I don't know some like rowdy truck driver or something like in terms of like what the masculinity needs yeah, yeah, yeah. it needs to like reflect uh but and that's like not how people are in general. Yeah, even like if this they're not warrior so, archetype that they attach to yeah, it. Yeah, I just yeah. and it's like sure, there's like I know why that exists because yeah. that was that was a need for the hour at that time. But in like people are of all kinds. Yeah, in all you, wh-
1: communities, c- it's not like you can't be a warrior if you like certain things. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's problematic. Yeah. So, did you
1: face that in school times?
0: I did. I mean, I was always, I mean, I feel like the common word is always like chakka, which Mm -hmm. literally means Mm eunuch. And um, eunuchs in the country have faced a horrible, horrible time and continuing to. That's true. Um, So, that's usually always like, I guess it's like an equivalent to what people would say faggot in America. Just a horrible sounding. Yeah. dumb that yeah. has absolutely no good <laughs> implication and yeah i guess you just live through it because you're like okay well i don't i can't stop them and i don't know what else to do and it's just something i'm gonna have to like deal with focus on what i need to do and one day i wouldn't have to bother about this right but you don't have so much foresight of course when you're in school because we're all stupid at that age but um yeah, I guess like that's how I thought of it. I just let it like roll off me as much as I could, uh, because I knew I would get out of the school and probably get onto something better.
1: Same. I mean, I would not want to go back to the school days. Yep.
0: <laughs> In a way, I haven't gone back since I graduated <laughs> from school.
1: Uh, so, at what point did you decide that you want to be a, a illustrator or an artist to take it as a professional path?
0: I was. I always said I want. So I remember when i was in second standard the teacher was asking what people wanted to grow up and be we would give like stupid answers like doctor truck driver <laughs> like i don't know like right police man yeah. they would, they would just say police pilot like yeah and i was just like i want to be a 3d cartoon animator and she's looking at me like who are you <laughs> what do you know in life uh to want to be this but She was just like, oh, cool. She just kind of readjusted her spectacles. And she was like, okay, cool. As long as, sure, we'll see. (laughs) Then you started taking steps towards becoming one. Yes, because I was always drawing. um, Even though I didn't quite know what being an animator meant. Mm -hmm. I always, I think it was just a singular aim. Like, I want to do this thing. I don't know what it means, but I think I want to do that. (laughs) And I'm I'm glad I stuck to it.
1: Yeah, and... uh... After that you decided to go to NID, yep. were there any other choices that you consider or it just happened to be the right place for you?
0: I, I did not have any choices. <laughs> Actually, I had no backup plan. My backup plan was NIFT.
1: Oh, okay. But why and, NID?
0: My, um,
1: How did you know about NID? Because I I, coming from a small yeah. town, I had no clue.
0: I think some someone who knew someone else, who knew someone else said, oh, your child wants to do, he's always drawing if he wants to do animation, since he watches cartoons all the time, right? Uh, there's this college in Ahmedabad that's supposed to be really good. Uh-huh. Uh, and that yeah. someone, someone, someone was an artist. Oh, okay. So uh, that was a credible voice. So I, so I don't know <laughs> who in particular suggested it, but my parents got to know that NID is a really good college that offers a degree in animation, a diploma in animation. Right. Um, and that it's prestigious. And so... My mom wanted me to do engineering as a backup plan. I had science in school because I love science. But I was pretty sure I did not want to do that. So I sat for like one entrance, came back and I was like, nope, this is not happening. (laughs) Um, Gave NID and NIFT entrance and got through the first phase of both of them. And by then I got called for, after the second phase for NID, hmm. I was like, I'm not going for this NIFT interview. Like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it worked out. And after I got my final results for my NID entrance uh, and interview, right. I gave my board exams without much pressure. So it worked so, out. I so was how was it
1: How was it uh, being there and uh, finding what is the right path for you Mm -hmm. Uh, to be honest like this is the uh, I think the fourth or fifth podcast in which somebody is telling that they went to a college for animation and didn't go through that and uh, changed the path to something like illustration or graphic design Mm -hmm. same with me I went for uh, animation and uh, couldn't do it
0: I I didn't know that yeah (laughs) yeah no I feel like it's also within like the industry in India animations Mm. kind of like, you really have to be in it, in the particular scene, to be doing animation. Right. And if you're not, it's probably not for you. Yeah. Um, but NID, NID was great. It was like a wonderland. I was out of Delhi for the first time, so I was really nervous. But I was also really excited because there was people from literally everywhere Yeah, 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 yeah. in my batch, uh, which was so exciting, even just to talk about, like, language, and food, and lifestyle, and clothes. That's uh, my favorite just... thing
1: to do because when you have uh, people from other parts of the world or mm-hmm. country, yep. I mean, when you talk to them, it's mind-opening. Exactly. Experience.
0: Uh, so that way, it was so brilliant, and just like the people that we met, uh, faculty, the curriculum, everything was just—it's and it also, I guess, like NID is considered like a little bubble in yeah. Ahmedabad, as most art colleges are, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's such a beautiful bubble. We just live in denial for like four years until some sense is knocked into us. But um, so good. I learned like so much about film, music, food, f- everything. It's like I, yeah, it was great. But also in in some ways, I was trying to move away from what I was in Delhi. Right. To kind of like start over as like a person and. The more I ran away from it, I think the more I realized I didn't have to by the end of it. Right. And it took like five years and then it's like your time's up, like you just graduate and get out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I think it left me with that uh, sort of resolve within myself, which right. I think was very important. But yeah, NID was fantastic. It was such a good time.
1: That time you were also on DeviantArt when i was uh, in school so i used to follow meera mm-hmm. and you on david Dart.
0: oh my god
1: and uh, i remember your username jazz lamp Ugh,
0: i've like. made i have made bad choices in life
1: <laughs> but oh. but your work that time also was very exciting and i was i was wondering who oh, is god. this person <laughs> it's doing really interesting work. i just
0: i think i finally deleted that account
1: no, it's still there. I just checked. Oh no! I <laughs> so, need to
0: find a way. So I very, I think I have very successfully blocked out parts <laughs> of my life that existed. And sometimes they come back to me. Most times they don't. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think deviant art was just a really dark time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Somebody, in the age of like social media, somebody says right, uh,
1: the ocean is the god's deviant art like because oh, you see the weirdest oh, creatures in the ocean Basically, right?
0: <laughs> um yeah no deviantart TV, Tart, TV Tart was great while it lasted i guess yeah, uh, yeah. i know it still exists yeah um but i think it was just i just needed a place to kind of put work out Yeah, that and wasn't that was
1: like TV Tart and tumblr i guess
0: deviantart and blog blogspot spot. Not blogspot not tumblr yeah, what are you you're... talking about
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about your blogspot ulti uh, yes. chhatri mm mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was browsing through it. Uh, there was this one character that I found really interesting, which was Sardani Kaur. Yes. My aunt is like that. She, she likes doing community service in gurdwaras, but she's quite clumsy. So mm-hmm. ends up wiping the floor in a way that somebody slips. I mean, did you observe somebody of yes. that sort? And No
0: one slipped. So <laughs> so that was made up. Oh, okay. Um, God bless animation. <laughs> no one has to break a bone for you to like, Make a story. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, so that was for my character design class, which was uh, conducted by Binita Desai, who is marvelous. Yeah, I've heard. She is absolutely fantastic. Just to hear her talk is... Pure joy. Like, it's so... You're, like, so scared. But you're also just like, I need to, like, slap me so that I can, like, do better. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So that was one of the characters for that. I Mm. used to go to the Gurdwara every Sunday or every other Sunday Mm -hmm. in Ahmedabad, which is on SG Highway. Um, Mm -hmm. And I will go really early in the morning. So it was always, like a fixed bunch of people who would be there. Right. And there was a woman that looked like that who was a Seva She wasn't quite as clumsy. Uh Uh, But she just looked like rough around the edges. Like she didn't care about how she was about looking to like put together. Right, right. Uh, Which I really respond to in other people because I think I'm like that. (laughs) Um, And there were like these two, three people who looked like they were part of the Gurudwara committee right. or like were in authority and I would just observe their interactions and that kind of became and it wasn't like a long project. I just had to visualize like three or four scenarios and kind of make it sort of sing in a narrative. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so did you yeah. create a narrative? Because I didn't see that on the blog spot.
0: Not really. I mean, the idea that this is a woman who's Clumsy, oh, okay, and okay, then okay. she's like deliberately doing so this. So how would so that, she look
1: like? And that's the kind of character you want Yeah, have and been.
0: she didn't quite look like a ninja. But uh, <laughs> I think I exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, but, um, it was super interesting. But and
1: yeah. how did the name Ulti Chadri come about?
0: I have no idea. I think it was just <laughs> like random. Yeah. I just thought it sounded cute. That was, yeah, there was no deep thought. Right. There. So,
1: parallelly with your diploma project, you had this series going on on your blogspot, which was a dress a day series. Yes. Where you drew uh, dresses of different fashion labels uh, in your own style. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I know, that landed you a job with Sabya Sachi. Yes. How did that happen? Can you tell us more about that?
0: Um, yeah. So, um, I was looking at a lot of like runway images sitting in my animation studio. Much to a lot of people's dismay, because I think everyone in the department was just like, why is this kid always here watching runway shows? Like, <laughs> this is an animation department. Why is he not making walk cycles? So, yeah. um, and I just saw a lot of designs that I like. And I was like, oh, I would love to draw these. Uh-huh. Um, and I think three of us started it together where we would kind of pick a designer and just draw one dress by them for 30 days. Uh-huh, one okay. illustration a day. Uh-huh. Which is a tight like yeah, thing yeah. to follow. But uh, and I think I was the only one that ended up finishing. <laughs> <laughs> because they were like, this too like fashion for me. Um, <laughs> but
1: uh, and you had that discipline to make I, that
0: happen. I, yeah, I was a little bit late. I, I wouldn't say I was on time, but uh, mm-hmm. it happened. I had 30 illustrations by the end of like, say, a month and a week. Right. Um... And this blogger, this fashion blogger who's also writing for Hindustan Times, I think HD City at the time, uh-huh. Surabhi, Surabhi Chauhan, uh, also known as Lovestruck Cow, saw them and got really excited. I was visiting Delhi for a bit and she was like, Oh, I love your work. Like, do you want to meet for coffee? And we met at <laughs> the Lavadza Cafe in uh-huh. CP, uh-huh. which does not exist anymore. Uh-huh. Um, And we immediately hit it off. We were and become best friends since then. (laughs) Um, She wanted to collaborate and do a series of fashion sketches based on Amazon. No, what was it before Amazon? Will's Lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Fashion Week. Yes. Um, And we did that. We did like six illustrations for that. And she kind of made it an entire world, so it's like the illustration. She wrote about the collection. She right. envisioned like the kind of people that were gonna wear. So it was really interesting to collaborate with someone who came from a completely different point of view within fashion. Right. Uh and one of the illustrations was of Sabya Sachi. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Like his collection that year.
1: Right.
0: Uh which was just Frida Kahlo-esque like crazy colour blocked, like eclectic, weird ah. uh, roses and pom poms and weird <laughs> shapes. Uh And he ended up seeing it in a very bizarre kind of way. And I think he met Surabhi at some award show and was just like, oh, can you give me that boy's phone number? Uh Uh, Because he seemed really excited about it. And then I think it was 6.30 or 7 Uh a.m. one morning, and I obviously was not awake. Uh I get a call from an unknown number on my then Nokia mobile phone. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, oh, hey, I'm... Sabbe this side. And I was like, what? <laughs> Immediately, like, yeah. was wide awake. Uh, could not go back to sleep. Right. And he was like, oh, so I saw your illustration. I really like it. Uh, would you want to come work for me? We wanted to use wow. your designs for our website.
1: Wow. Would you
0: want to design our website? And in my head, I was like, I know nothing about designing websites. I know nothing <laughs> about graphic design. I have no interest in making websites i right. don't think i ever will but i was just like yeah sure i'll, I'll do it like i'll do everything <laughs> like of course i can make websites uh so and, and he was just like okay great like i'll call you later like we'll figure <laughs> something out wow. and this was the time i was already working on my uh diploma project so, so I you must be on that. cloud
1: nine at that
0: time. i was but i was also just like is this like i was kind of half asleep so i was like this yeah. Has to be a prank call. Like, this is weird. This should... Things <laughs> like these don't happen. Uh, apparently, they do. Uh, within like two months after finishing my diploma project, I was in Calcutta. Oh. Shaking hands with Sabih In <laughs> Just, his studio?
1: Yes. Wow. Bizarre. Being in a studio of somebody of that stature and getting the chance to work alongside must be fascinating.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, so I hadn't worked with... Any fashion designer before this, I was very interested in fashion. Just like an enthook kid who just interested in fashion. Right. But knows very little about it. Right. Um, I landed in Calcutta and just to see his setup was amazing. It, it, it was like two giant buildings in the middle of the industrial area, which mm. used to be tanneries, topsia in Calcutta. Right. Um, and he had his entire setup and I went up to his office, which is like, some, I don't know, third or fourth floor. So by the time I got up, I was like out of breath and just wondering why I'm here and what I'm doing here. Or how am I going to get out of this situation alive? Because there's most (laughs) definitely no like website design talent. Um, But he, I think he seemed really excited or responded really well to like my illustrations and the fact that I was so excited about fashion in spite of not knowing anything. Uh, Um, And he was like, we'll definitely do something with this. And I was like, I'm really excited to do something about this. And I think the next entire one year was just us trying to figure out what we could do. (laughs) And kind of missing. (laughs) So I did like excellent work. I think that's like some of my best work in terms of like fashion illustration. I still think it stands really strong. Right. But the website never got made (laughs) Uh, I did a lot of other work I did a lot of internal collateral we started doing ads for magazines so I started retouching those images and kind of mucking around with that Uh Um, but yeah it it was a great time professionally and I learned so much through him that I didn't even think about in terms of fashion and running a business and so much of it. Yeah, is like,
1: there are things you learn only by being around some people just because you are around. Yep. Sometimes they're, they're, the biggest thing you can learn from another person is the attitude they have.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think him as a fashion designer is almost, if not more, as mm-hmm. good a businessman as well.
1: That's uh, one thing that uh, sometimes uh, talented people forget that you have to have that side as well yep. to you. But uh, you also described that time as a very bad time for you personally.
0: Yes. Uh, So in contrast to this amazing high as Mm -hmm. a first job working in one of the biggest like fashion design studios in India. Right. uh, I've come back home and I would be really sad. (laughs) Um, I had all my friends who were from Calcutta or most of them were not there at the time. I was in an office where... I was doing something completely different. So my schedules of working were completely different from everyone else's. Right. My place in the office was completely segregated. So uh-huh. I kind of worked in with Sabya, but in a vacuum almost, okay. even though everyone was around me. But in like, if there were clothes being made, then I didn't have anything to do with it. Right. right. Uh, but if... He needed like invites for the show. Everyone right. else would be kind of doing their own thing, but he would be sitting with me. Right, right, uh, right. So I guess like my schedules with people there didn't match. So I just had like very little friend time. Uh-huh. And so I was spending a lot of time alone. Well, and you,
1: you were feeling lonely at that time.
0: It was horrible. I, I'm, I was also one of those people who like, if I have too much time and not anything to do, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Same.
1: And, same. It's
0: the worst. I know.
1: It's hard to describe to other people yep. sometimes. sometimes, and, and I don't know if you relate to this or not, but I mean, there are people who can spend their time watching Netflix or something else, but I need some time with other people and to yeah. talk and...
0: Because like everyone needs that in like some capacity to not drive themselves insane. Yeah. And I can drive myself insane pretty Same. quickly. And I did. I did. I was. I started drinking alone at home. Oh. I was watching like four movies a day because I had absolutely no idea how to pass the time. That's the worst. I was like right? crying a lot, <laughs> oh, which was horrible. I was living in a shitty place, in a crappy place, and eating like all the time. Binging, yeah. binge eating, and it was. It was not a good time for me. I didn't realize that because I was like, oh, I'm working at this like crazy fashion house. Like, yeah, this doesn't. ...matter as much because I'm doing something that feels bigger, you know, than anything I've ever done. Then you
1: forget that there's something called self-care as well.
0: Exactly. And I didn't realize that till I moved back to Delhi.
1: When did you decide to move back to Delhi?
0: After finishing one year at Samasachi.
1: (laughs) But uh, it must be hard to let go of that job in a way. Yes.
0: It was and it wasn't. Um, I think I didn't have a clear role... Or I guess ex- he couldn't delegate like a clear role to me. Right. Um, within that time, and I I was just sick all the time. I was extremely depressed. Uh, uh, you know, like I don't use that word lightly, but it, I, only when I got out of Calcutta, I realized. How.
1: You realize it later. Yes. There are times that you look back and you're like, "What was what was I up
0: to?" Yeah, like yeah, like that was a low. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so. I think I finished a year and I, I don't know what sort of made me go up to him and say like, hey, I think I don't know if I can do this any longer, like mostly for myself. But I had to yes. make that call. And I was like, I'll be available to work mm-hmm. uh, anytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with him has been like one of the best times. And anytime if he calls me back, like I'm, I'm here, you know, <laughs> I freelance yeah. and I need money and I need good like work projects. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I just said I can't and then I came back to Delhi, came home.
1: That must be hard to come back to Delhi and stay with your family, sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like?
0: Coming back to Delhi, my meals were getting made, my laundry was getting washed, <laughs> I was loving it. Okay, I I actually put on a yeah. lot of weight while I was in Calcutta so, oh. because I was just drinking and eating all the time. and. Crying, which doesn't burn any calories, uh, sadly. So I came back and I was like, I need to focus on my body and I need to like get fit and make some changes. And I'm going to get in that mindset and do all of this work. And in my mind, I was like, it's unattainable, but I'm just going to try and like make this work. Right. And it did.
1: And uh, uh, from what I know, that was the time that you came out to your parents.
0: Yes, shortly after. I think I left Savisachi. May, I might be like off by a day, May 5th, 2013. And in June or July, I came out to my parents.
1: So, uh, I mean, if I was uh, in that situation, I, I would be overthinking and overstressing in mm-hmm. my mind.
0: I was. <laughs> I just knew it had to be done. And mm-hmm. it was at that point where it's like, it needs to happen. Like there is no way I can continue feeling miserable or like not proud. And also, I guess like by that time, my friends knew, like I'd come out to my friends Uh um, and I'd spoken to like all the people in Calcutta at Sabisachi knew I was gay. Right. So I was very comfortable around with my sexuality around these people uh, who knew me as a gay guy. Hmm. Um, But of course, like your parents don't know and your family doesn't know and that is I mean coming out is also not like one event it's like a long and treacherous journey (laughs) and you lose people along the way and you like gain a lot of faith in a lot of people and that was an exercise that I had that I'd like been trying since NID there were a couple people who just like kind of cut contact with me completely Hmm. or if they'd see me they'd like act weird um you don't have to be like clever to pick up on it right like it's it's It either doesn't matter to you or it does or sometimes we will need more time and I'm willing to give that to people But if you're just gonna be a jerk about it, then I don't need you in my life Uh, but It came to a point where I was like my parents are two of the most important people in my life and I need to come out to them and Of course, I was very nervous and But I did it (laughs) Like, there's just no other way to explain it. You just told them. You have to. You have to consider your odds. I was like, maybe they'll kick me out of the house, but most probably not. (laughs) And I knew I didn't want it to be like, I'm gay, like, deal with it. But I was like, I'm telling you now, you don't have to burst into any kind of a reaction. Talk to me when you feel comfortable. I haven't been with anyone. And I just want you to feel like we are learning about this together in a way, or learning how to deal with this together, Uh, even though I don't think I said it in so many words, and that they can, they have the time and space to do that and then come speak to me about it. So, and I definitely wanted to tell both my mom and dad together because then they could. No, one, I wouldn't have to do it twice. Two, (laughs) they could kind of feed off of each other in terms of, like, how they wanted to process it Mm -hmm. or whether or not they wanted to process it. But the idea was that both of them would know, so it's not, like, a secret that I just told to one person and then one person's going to tell the second person. I wanted to be the one to say it, like, to their face, not over a phone call, not in a letter. And that's just...
1: And what was their reaction?
0: They 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 looked really stressed, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh no, like uh, we like of course we love you, and that doesn't change." Uh, and don't worry about it. I think they just thought I was gonna do something to myself. Oh, uh, maybe or at least that that's how I thought uh, they were feeling about this. But but yeah, they were. I don't think they got any sleep that night. I definitely know my dad didn't. And he had to leave for a tour to England. England? Out of the country. Uh, and I knew if I didn't do that then, it would have to wait two more months. There's oh. no way I was going to wait for two more months <laughs> to come out to my Yeah, parents. you
1: gather so much courage and then... Uh, I mean, you have to do it.
0: Yep. And then... I and because then they, I said
1: how much time did they take to normalize it? Normalize
0: I I knew or... my dad would not say anything. <laughs> he would he would be cool with it, but he would never talk to me about it. Uh, which I'm okay with. That's his jam. Sure. Uh, I knew my mom would. <laughs> In in a way that she would just try and ease it in a conversation, which uh, is not subtle at all uh, or smooth. Right, 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 right.
1: Uh, these things parents uh, aren't yeah. that good at hiding. Or the
0: or they think they're being really smooth about it, but they're yeah, not. Uh, yeah. So it was just really like endearing in the way that she was like, "Oh, like I'm cool with it," and she was like, right. "I think your dad is also like uh, working." on his own sort of way of dealing with it but uh he'll he'll be fine like he's he's fine he doesn't th- love you any less
1: more than parents the most difficult uh, i would assume is uh, how the relatives would react to something like this yes because you know like that's a reality that most of relatives look for some kind of
0: because we live in india cabal
1: yeah 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> and everyone um, wants to know everything about everyone's पड़ोसी yeah, they just need
1: some reason right like there's some i mean anything i mean obviously like i never had this experience yeah but uh, i could say that there are other parallel experiences mm-hmm. of personally like me being an atheist there are other such things which yeah. I cannot talk on the podcast about. Yeah. I mean, that, that becomes a talking matter that, you know, they just want to bully the parents because of yeah matter,
0: Right? And they, I didn't want that to happen.
1: That's the worst thing about uh, uh, this whole situation. Right? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So, which is why I started with my parents and I was like... But I think a lot of the conversation when they spoke to me again, they were just like, like why do you have to... Where being gay, like, why do you have to be public about it? Why, why is it important? Like, it's your business what you do. Personless yeah, space. Y- is yours to do, and it's no one else's business. Be straight. People don't go around. I think my mom said that. She's like, straight people don't go around on the streets saying that straight. And I was like, oh, it? straightness is shoved in our faces everywhere. Okay, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, and I was just like, I just don't know any other way. Like, I can't like I'm I'm gay as hell and I think I'm going to be as <laughs> hellishly gay as I can possibly be I think I think what ended up happening was I told I told my parents and it was just my parents for a very long time then I told my one of my mamas my huh. maternal my younger maternal uncle because he's he's cool and we the age difference is like that weird sort of half generation so he doesn't feel like an uncle, he just feels like this cool yeah, friend yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of Yeah. Um, and I wanted to tell him myself so there were a couple of people who I wanted to do that in person or like wanted them to know and be able to process that and have more time and the rest of the world could know through a Facebook post like I couldn't care yeah. um, and as long as I knew that these people who are my people are fine During it's gonna be like it, it doesn't matter you know and then if I don't know Kapoor auntie in the colony wants to talk about it <laughs> sure <laughs> you know as long as my parents are comfortable like right. no one's gonna and that's the thing is people sniff out discomfort yeah. and they want to probe you more Right. so a lot of whatever's taboo right. is people want to talk about it they're like oh she, she's in a living relationship and if the parents are like Yeah, I don't approve of it, then they will talk more about it, you know. Um, And if you're just like, Yeah, she's in a different relationship, they will have nothing to say. So I think I wanted it to get to that point, but also I was so surprised by how supportive, how fiercely supportive, like my parents are now, and my mom, especially, like, very she's also the more vocal one between between my parents. So, um, I guess a lot of the conversation with other relatives was uh, they just said it in like a very casual way, and then if someone was like, "Oh, kind of, then right, right, right. which like few people did, not many people, but they were like, "Oh, okay." So like, how are you? So the conversation was more
1: how, how are you? Day?
0: How are you so cool about it?
1: Okay, that was
0: rather than oh, your son is gay, but ah. um, and I was. Very relieving, because then the conversation wasn't about me <laughs> at all, <laughs> yeah. and I did not have to deal with it. But yeah, that that's what ended up happening and continues to happen. Mm. Uh, but now I think for the most part, everyone knows I'm gay. I I came out on Facebook, so it ah. must be official, right? Ah.
1: And you know what? Like that's a uh, in, I mean. I I used to see during those times when uh, I would assume you came out Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of hostility around uh, people who were not straight in India. Still is. Yes. Still is. A lot. (laughs) Still is. But uh, right now, like, I mean, if somebody has that mindset, at least uh, they are called out on Hmm. their bigotry. Yeah. That never happened before.
0: No, because we were like living in 377. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knee yeah, yeah. deep. Yeah, And <laughs> exactly. something that, the, another thing that the British has left us with.
1: Yeah, um, which I think international listeners might not know about. Let's tell them a little bit more about okay, that. Okay,
0: so section 377 was an amendment in the Indian Penal Code. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah. Uh, which criminalized homosexuality and, un- so, it essentially, actually, huh. it was... It in the way that it's worded is it's unnatural acts of sexual nature or something. Right. right. Uh, so anything like, against the order of nature, uh, which is vaginal sex, yeah. Is wrong. Yeah. I think
1: most of us are clear. Everyone's a Everyone's criminal. criminal. Um
0: so uh yeah. But what it's often Known as is this anti-gay amendment. Uh, this
1: law was repealed last year. Yes. Right. And which was a really big win for sexuality in India. And at the same time, uh, decolonizing our laws.
0: It's a small step.
1: A small step, I would say. But, <laughs> but really big in terms of how uh, it was handled, even after a lot of people uh, sprouted in this bigotry, Yes. you know, against it, that... Uh, a lot of right-wing parties were very vocal about uh, being against this. Yes.
0: I think a lot of people try to make noise about it in the sense that this is not for us homosexuals. Especially I think like one person that comes to mind is uh, Wendell Rodericks, the fashion designer. He was always just like I keep hearing that it is this anti-gay amendment. It's not. It's for everyone who is not having vaginal sex. Yeah. Um, so you are a criminal. You are. A criminal. But um, so in that, in that sense, yes, it was a long time coming and when it happened, everyone was like, about damn time. Like, yeah, it needed to happen and I'm glad that we can all be our gay selves, mm. peacefully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I have I've seen this change in the kind of discussion that would happen uh, around homosexuality yeah. uh, from the time I was in school versus now. Mm-hmm. Huge. Which I think is really good progress. But I think it should reach a point where it shouldn't be a question.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be a question.
1: I think we di- digressed a lot from the time we I moved know, from Delhi. Is... But a good, good discussion. So, so let's go back to that. Yes. At that time, I learned that you were working with Manish Arora. Uh,
0: so after I moved to Delhi, I freelanced for a lot of years. Hmm. And through a Facebook contest for oh, okay. Air France and Manish Arora. Oh, okay. um, Because he showcases in Paris Fashion Week. So his flights are sponsored by Air France. So it was a Facebook contest where you had to spam your friends to get likes for your design. Damn, you fell for and that. Were... But <laughs> oh, God. But I landed up in his office, which was great. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that contest led me to Manish Arora. And I spent one season working as a print engineer for his... Fall, What's a winter. print engineer? Um, so it's essentially, if, you, if you've if you seen Manishavara's clothes, they are kind of one canvas, mm-hmm. some some pieces. And the idea is that a uh, dress is obviously made of cut-up fabric, which is cut in all kinds of shapes which are stitched together that sit over a body right. a particular way. Right. Um, and so when you're designing an artwork that needs to flow seamless seamlessly from one piece of the fabric to another uh-huh. You right. need to engineer what the print on it is
1: So it's like projection mapping?
0: Except way more difficult Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> Because there are so many pieces involved Yeah, and it's human body, it's not a yes. uh, surface Exactly And uh, his clothes are not easy pattern-wise And by pattern, I mean like the number of pieces of fabric that attached to each other to make a garment. Right. So um, while I was there, I worked with the most, like, weirdly international team. There was someone from literally every corner of the world. <laughs> um, I mean, I was just fascinated by the fact that that was the bunch of people that kind of made everything work. Uh-huh. Um, and one of them, who was kind of like the senior designer and the head sort of print engineer, fantastic person, so, like, patient and supportive of interns (laughs) uh, to kind of learn the craft. So I worked with him and learned how to do print engineering. So we designed like a couple versions of like what the prints for that season was going to be. And we did, I think the collection was pretty Weird and cool looking in true Manish Arora fashion.
1: And uh, after that, you went to MICA to do your post graduation, mm-hmm. which is Maryland Institute College of Arts. Yes. Uh, why the decision to do a post graduation when you were already working with uh, Sabiya Sachi and uh, Manish Arora?
0: Yeah. Um, I was at a point where all of the commission work that I was getting was feeling like my work. My work felt more stagnant. Um, and I didn't find anything interesting or invigorating anymore. And also I was like in the process of like coming out to everyone Mm -hmm. and I knew I wanted to, I wanted that to be a huge part of my work. Like I wanted my work to feel explicitly queer. Right. Uh, and till that point it wasn't, I mean, it was for people who knew me, but, um, for the large, I was still drawing like a lot of butts on doilies, Mm -hmm. but, um, it it was one of those things where I wasn't like making noise about it right and I knew I wanted to kind of look inward for my work versus doing these projects that were that had very little to do with what the personal content that I wanted to make right 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 um and I think that's where it sparked where I was like I need to get out into a completely new environment and kind of Different find country find my voice, yes. Yeah. And because there were no illustration grad programs in India, uh, I started looking at places abroad. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, a lot of the work that I was following at the time was work that was coming out of the United States. Okay. All the people that I was following, all the work that I thought was just... Exciting like, you. This is what I need to yeah. get to yeah. professionally uh, and in my work. Uh, was all happening in the United States. So I applied to colleges only in the United States. Okay. For two years and then the second time I, I could go because the first time I just didn't have enough scholarship. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> and it's
0: expensive as hell.
1: Even I, I don't think I can afford education. It's right. too much. It's a lot. So uh, during that time in uh, MICA, what kind of mentorship did you have?
0: So NID, where I did my undergrad, national institute of design uh, is a design college so a lot of the feedback and the critique that we got was always from a design perspective right. it always had to have purpose it was always problem solving right. and if it wasn't it right. was bad design uh, so when i, I went see. to mica which is an art college it's it's very like different way of free form like you do what you're doing and as long as it's an it's a direction that you really want to go in right. as a as an artist or as a professional. We're gonna support you and guide you through it and help you sort of sharpen your vision. Right, um, and I really like that about the program. And I think the program was also more about like so. It's called MFA in illustration practice. Right. So it's not just learning how to do illustration, but also like the trade of it ah, uh, okay. in the industry, which which I guess you always just learn the hard way. So the course was great. They gave me the maximum scholarship. And mm. uh, the second time I was like, I think I'm going to go because I also was running out of time. I was like, I need to go and get out and do things that mm. have more of a personal connect. Right. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And yeah.
1: And that's where you made uh, your comic book, Two Babes with Love. Yes. Which is one of my favorite kind <laughs> of personal narratives you put unapologetically. And uh, in fact, that's why I started the whole podcast with
0: that. Yes. Thank you. I'm very glad you liked it. Oh. Um, so while I was at Maika, I uh, was obviously surrounded by people who were all like making art. And there are certain like fads, I guess, like everywhere that people follow. Um And I knew that everyone around me was making zines, which was so invigorating. We had a zine-making workshop. Ah. And that's kind of how it started. So I made these three, a set of three small sort of made out of a single sheet, eight pages uh, zines called Fashion is Strange. Right. Because I was using that as a hashtag in a lot of my drawings. It had absolutely no like content value, no beginning end. It was just extremely fun looking. And the idea was to just, create something that felt visually exciting and have it be have it live in like a zine format right so little pressure in terms of like thinking of beginning middle end uh it was just putting you through this module and you would in the end come out with like a finished product and i think i got really interested by the idea of making smaller books like i realized that things didn't have to be a graphic novel right Uh uh Which is so daunting for anyone uh, to think of like a 300 to 400 page book. And also for the readers. Yes. Uh, And I was buying a lot of zines Um, uh, from like local bookstores or small comic book shops. Uh, And I loved the fact that the content could be anything. It could be extremely frivolous or really, really serious. Like you could go in as hard as you wanted to go. Or be as surface, right? As long as it's sparked interest, and yeah, um, I really liked that idea, and I want, and I thought it would be really cool if I could do a series of smaller zines and comics, right? Small and large, so, so things that sort of vary in extent, right. size, format, treatment, story, uh, story, uh, and do that as my thesis, and that's when Two Babes with Love and mm-hmm. the other books came. Two Waves Would Love being the largest of them that I also spent the most time on. And then I continued making zines after I graduated, which is when uh, I made Sick Ladies with Sick Fashion. Uh-huh. Uh, bad wordplay, but I was like, <laughs> this no, know, is maybe. exactly what it is going to be called. Yeah. Um, so I made that. But what was
1: the thought behind it? Because uh, uh, I know the content of it. I know the purpose and the intent you made it with. Yeah. But uh, do you think uh, it also comes from a place where you want more Sikh representation in uh, uh, the contemporary world and
0: art? Yes. Um, that's exactly what the intent was. I was mostly really surprised by how ignorant people were. Uh, about about six. Sikh and Sikhi uh, outside India. Yeah, And... I was like, the only way that I think this is going to get better is if we all start creating content around, around our identities yeah. and make it so public that they just live as like part of people's sort of mundane. Right. Uh, and that was kind of the idea. So the idea was not like, I am a Sikh, this is a turban. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> just call explicitly like call these women Sikh. Yeah. give them Sikh names yeah. and find a way to introduce them as Sikh women yeah. as people with turbans as people with like a kara and people who would pick on it would pick on it Sensitive. if people don't want to make that connect it's fine it's still yeah. like a ah, scene so
1: like it, it, that's what i uh, liked about it the most because uh, you might relate to it too that when we were growing up there were especially in the bollywood or otherwise in the media there was no sikh representation in india no uh, forget uh Sikh representation.
0: They were abroad. always the butt of a joke.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All the Sikhs who, who were... Uh in Bollywood I mean the people generally uh, some some guy would wear a take turban and then the person would do
0: oh, oh they put Johnny Lever in he, that Johnny Lever in that and, and you know so the
1: guy would just be there uh, behind uh, behind uh, the scene you know saying some stupid shit and trying to act like six are stupid or something like that and uh, that's and so problematic time, very problematic <laughs> yes. and uh, uh, I mean uh, there was a, of course it also gives a weird message that uh, in school time. Times you knew that you know heroes were supposed to be heroes heroes looked
0: that way that way there was there was and only sidekicks only sidekicks that too hilarious that too stupid goofy goofy,
1: were that that's the kind stereotype that was attached with six Mm -hmm. and uh, people actually started absorbing that stupid stereotype yeah which I feel. it's such a tragedy yes. and uh, now it's changing uh, to a big extent and I'm glad. I've also been uh, stereotyped a lot of times. I mean, not just by uh, non-Sikhs, but also by my Sikh friends. Yes, Because they're like, uh, if you're a Sikh, you should drive a bullet bike that right? in Royal yeah. Enfield. You should drink you more should... whiskey. Yeah, drink whiskey, have big muscles, go to the <laughs> gym, yes. listen to Punjabi <laughs> songs why are you you reading books (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh, uh, why are you dressing certain way why are you talking about art or so on that's not attached to uh, this stereotype and it's like so well absorbed
0: yeah Come on, let's be disgraces together. Yes, I think we already are. Um, yeah. um,
1: but but yeah, so uh, uh, like the zine you made, other things that are happening in the industry right now—they—they they are changing things. Even in fact, when Diljit Dosanjh came into the Bollywood scene, yes, a lot changed.
0: Hopefully for the better. For the better. So far, so good. So far,
1: so good. It's not a huge step, but that was the first time that you know, six would feel proud about being a. That heroic uh, yeah. kind of st- archetype, right?
0: Yeah. Karina Kapoor was in love with a sick man. That's yeah, a big man. deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fun but. Stuff, but But yeah. So with my zine, I think the idea was that I just want to like quietly introduce this into the world and yeah. keep doing this till more people start doing it. Right. And then the idea is the next time they hear a name that's Gagan, they kind of know that that's a sick you know, like, that. Right. that's the kind of effect that I wanted it to be. Right. Where it's like, if they see, even if they don't necessarily know what being sick means, right. if they see someone in a turban, they don't say, salam Alaikum. Right. Which I get that a lot on the streets of Baltimore, by the oh. way. But yeah, so I guess when I started doing that, I didn't, it was also kind of reconnecting with like the magazines that I flipped through as a kid mm-hmm. for me. So looking through those editorials and having like, I don't know, Priyanka is wearing this, 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 you know. I really like like reading that through that. Kind of it was like this passage written in like the worst kind of places <laughs> in like the worst type placement. But I would read through like everything. Uh, uh, and what for
1: Rizzo printing?
0: Okay, so, so for people who don't know, risograph is an obsolete Japanese office technology, which is obsolete. Um, but somehow is gaining a lot of traction within like the sort of printmaking art community. Right. um, At least, I guess like everywhere now, but in the United States, it's huge because it's cheaper to make. uh, And it
1: has a personality and a style.
0: It still has like an element of printmaking, which is of value in terms of production. Right. uh, Because you print. So I, I describe it as... Kind of like a baby between screen printing and a Xerox machine, uh, because it's as quick to print as a Xerox machine, but you have to print each color separately.
1: Yeah, 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 and that's what you did with your Zine as yes, well. Yes,
0: that's a two-color Zine,
1: and it must be hard work separating all those elements and. No. No, it's not. (laughs) Because that's what I've heard from a friend of mine. That's what we do
0: as artists. It's fine. (laughs) But also it was designed to be a two-color zine. If I had to work backwards, it would be probably really difficult.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And that's when you would need like a printer's expertise to kind of do that for you. Right, 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 right. right. And I'd done enough screen printing uh, and color separation for letterpress even Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to Not find that difficult at all.
1: So, uh, because of the kind of work you were doing at that time, you ended up doing a Google Doodle as well, right?
0: Yes. How did you
1: get that gig?
0: So, I knew someone from Micah, undergrad, who was working at Google in the Doodle department. Oh, Um, they have a Doodle department? Yes. Oh, Oh. (laughs) amazing. The news is out. (laughs) Uh, But... Um, so the Google Doodle that I did was for Cornelius Sorabji who mm. was the first woman lawyer. She was the first at many things she did at her time, right, but she was essentially the first female lawyer in India oh. first to study abroad, first to be in the college that she went to first. She was absolutely amazing. so I think they had uh, this person this amazing person from India, and they wanted someone Indian for Indian it. to do it mm. and uh, the person who was working there. My friend suggested my name, and that's how I got it. And that was a really good work, in fact. So good. It was. <laughs> it was. It was really fun to do it. Right. I wasn't very happy with what it looks like, <laughs> but um, an amazing project to be a part of, and I'm so glad I got to learn more about Cornelia.
1: And now let's talk about the nuances of your work. I mean, the style and the things you depict. There's a lot of depiction of uh, body-positive imagery. And Indianness. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, did you take a conscious decision to depict those kind of elements or did it just happen along the way?
0: I think I I, I started drawing bigger women after I got back from Sabyasachi. Okay. Uh, specifically, because I don't think I drew too many big bigger women. Um, it's one of those things that subconsciously happen and you don't know why you're doing it, but you're doing it. And then years later, you're able to kind of... But that distance is necessary Uh uh, for you to be able to retrace and understand why you're doing it. I mean, the the easiest description would be, I've always been fat my entire life. Uh, And India has a way of fat shaming that is not subtle. (laughs) Um, So this was kind of my idea of introducing people with bigger bodies, specifically women with bigger bodies, because the bodies of women in India, are monitored a lot more than right. anything with right. men. Right right, 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 I guess it's everywhere, but in India, it's like 10 times worse. Right. Uh, and also in a way that I found drawing women more interesting, or I've thought that that's what I could relate to than men. I just, there was no ease in me drawing men. Right. And that ease is just natural, like you can't, So so I was just drawing women It's hard to describe why that happens, right? Yeah, so I was just drawing skinny women since I was a kid and then I was like well, it's basically my body Like, I'm just gonna draw this and I know what my body looks like and where the fat from every angle sits. (laughs) So uh, I started drawing it um, and I knew I wanted them to be darker skinned if I was colouring them. So some of these decisions are like conscious, some of these were not conscious and then now I'm conscious of everything right. that I'm doing because I'm made aware of it. Yeah. Uh, but
1: I've heard a lot of people talk about the lips you draw, which have a really delicate <laughs> structure, and also the eyes and the lips. It's... I mean, the people spend a lot of time yeah. looking at that. <laughs>
0: um, I think I think a lot of like that was dictated by the people whose work I was following at the time okay. when mm. I started using. A brush pen, and that as I drew more from life study, mm-hmm. while I was reading these comics by these people, right, uh, the style kind of mixed and it just moved away from both yes. of those things and just right. became a thing of its own. Ah, okay. and I just it's it's how I draw. Like I don't know <laughs> any other way to draw lips or eyes, right. but I'm. It's always really right. nice to hear how strongly people respond to that.
1: And there's a, uh, hints of nudity and sometimes a lot of nudity in your work as well. How have uh, other people responded to it, especially Indian families? And mm,
0: how, They're totally do... cool with it now. Like my entire family, even <laughs> the most conservative people in my family are like totally okay with it. They like it on Instagram. <laughs> so I'm guessing they're okay with it. But um, it's it's again one of those things. It's like I if I'm making work, I don't think about like, I, I make it and I find a way to put it out in the right, world. Right. And thankfully, everything that has happened has only gotten me love in return mm. to keep, to help me do more of that. Right. And more consciously as well. Right, uh, right, right. But yeah, people come around. You can't keep thinking about people if you're yeah, making yeah. work.
1: <laughs> this was a question from one of the listeners. Because uh, she might, I mean, I'm just assuming that she might be thinking about, you know, how it will be taken Ah, by other people.
0: Some Kapoor auntie will have an issue with it, but (laughs) she she, she can deal with it. Like, I don't care.
1: Now I will take a few more questions from uh, the listeners. So, uh, have you ever had issue with uh, dodgy companies uh, stealing your work and selling it as their own or so on? Mm. Because uh, this listener had some issue of that sort or... She knows somebody who had that issue. Oh my god, is this
0: Mira? No, it's not actually. But yeah. I guess.
1: Mira has her ways to deal with it. Oh yeah.
0: She is so not sorry. <laughs> the
1: person won't be forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> um I
0: don't I don't think anyone's blatantly copied anything without me knowing, but I'm also extremely like blissfully unaware in general. <laughs> so if someone did, hmm. uh, unless someone points it out to me, I wouldn't know. Oh, okay and if I saw it I try and not let it bother me because um I guess as artists and designers we're always learning and changing and growing right and I think what my work looks like today will be very different from what it looks like three months from now right hopefully oh, okay. yeah. in the sense that I keep evolving and that my work starts to like my older work starts to look obsolete yeah. and if people are
1: no, I mean, somebody steals the work and uh, oh, sells like that, the t-shirts of that sort. I mean, this is what happened. To oh, that's group. garbage.
0: You set them right. Make noise. Sue them. Uh-huh. Get a lawyer. But nothing's happened so far. Oh, Everyone's been I think you've been lucky.
1: You've been really lucky in that sphere. Yes. There's another listener who has uh, asked a question around uh, not getting enough traction on social media and uh, not getting inspired to make work. Uh, how do you respond to that? Because I I have my own response to that. But I, I think our responses
0: doing. are the same. Stop making work for social media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why do you need validation for social media to make work? Make work because you want to make. You work. enjoy
1: making work. Yeah, make what you enjoy. I
0: can't not make like if Instagram suddenly died, like I wouldn't stop making work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not like I'm making work for Instagram anyway. It's like you're making work because. Those things are important to you and you can't do anything else but make work, you know. Exactly. Uh, it's second nature. It and can't... I know
1: so many artists who are really good artists, designers especially, are really good. But they don't have any traction on social media or even yeah. around you. And I think this has become a new normal where people try to equate uh, their self-worth with the social media likes and yeah. so on. And I don't know. I don't know. This comes up in the discussion time and again, and I I don't know how to respond to it more.
0: Stop making work for social media. That's yeah, I get. I yeah, that's just it. no, don't do that.
1: And what are your views on uh, uh, Desi uh, parents' mindset around art as a career? The listener says that. Uh, do you think it's changing? Uh, that I mean, our parents looking at art as a career now more than a hobby? Because at our times, I think it was considered sort of a hobby or something you won't earn money out of.
0: I don't think there are many people who still think like people can't make money out of... People can make money out of like the weirdest things, especially in a place like India. Art has become part of, or at least like my family, like people who are completely not aware of what even like being an animator meant like 20 years ago are like, oh, someone, someone is yeah. an animator, yeah. someone, someone is a designer, someone, someone paints, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that dialogue or that culture is like evolved a lot more. Um, as long as you can make, you're sure that you can make money off of it, your parents will be fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. but I think, uh, again, it depends on which city are you from, where are you from. Yeah, because, you're uh, right. Uh, personally, like I, I knew a lot of people in Delhi, Delhi, Bombay, whose parents would be okay, and they would know that there are opportunities yep. around us. And uh, in Jammu, it was, it was a, yeah. it was close to a <laughs> risk, risk, not even risk, but a disgrace if you even think about that. You were doing
0: pretty well on being a disgrace anyway.
1: Yeah, so I was like, (laughs) let's just carry on. Let's just carry on. Anyways, I'm not going to get any credits. Now I'm in the dark
0: tunnel, I might as well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: But But I think uh, that mindset is changing. Personally, I have seen uh, the change. A lot of people are considering certain places it has become... uh, It has has tilted to the other side that we are... (laughs) A lot of people are telling their kids to be a designer.
0: Yeah, it's, it's starting to get like oversaturated, oversaturated a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just,
1: just a little bit. bit. I think so. Pretty
0: soon we'll all have no jobs. Yeah. We'll be the new engineers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Aren't we? Well, Already. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't have a job.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, this question is uh, from um, one of the listener. She, how do I frame her question? Because, uh, okay, let's, let me do just... You just want to read it out? Yeah, let me read it out because, okay. So, how can a queer desi of faith navigate conversations about the problems in the community regarding LGBTQI issues without making the community target of racism and bigotry by outsiders or to the religion or the community?
0: Oh man, can you repeat that? That's loaded. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: why I was like... (laughs)
0: Juicy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Love. This is... uh, uh, So,
1: I think... uh, this is one of my Muslim friends yeah. and she is uh, I think not staying in, it, in our subcontinent okay. she is uh, staying somewhere in west so she is saying that how can we uh, make noise around or talk about the problems in uh, mm-hmm. r- r- our religious community around LGBTQI issues without, without them becoming
0: yeah r- coming across as like backward or
1: yeah yeah I mean becoming a bigoted a, a target um, as a r- race. R- r- of racism yeah. and uh, bigotry right yeah like I mean it happens. I have seen that when you, I mean, there are times that I want to talk about, you know, uh, Sikhs having problem with apostates, apostates, I mean, the people who leave the religion. Ah. Suddenly somebody will shout, oh, they are fundamentalists, right? Oh, God. That sort of thing. Yeah. So how do you navigate uh, mm-hmm. those kind of issues with uh, respect to LGBTQI issues?
0: Um, I, I can speak from my experience. Right. Uh, within like Sikhism, uh, right. Marriage is like a union of two souls So yeah. it's like If I have to extrapolate like Freedom for myself I will Yeah. Um, and all the religious fanatics That are standing in the way Can do whatever the hell they want Like It doesn't matter to me I guess uh, I know a lot of uh, People who are Muslim Living in the states Not originally from the states Who are queer uh, Trans Bisexual Homosexual Um so I think, at least even in my like coming out journey, I, community was very important. Right. So it's good to build that community, whether it's in your family, whether it's your cousins, whether it's your friends, whether right. it's just connecting with other queer uh, people of your faith specifically or not. Mm-hmm. But definitely people of your faith will have a shared experience and then you can bounce off a lot of these things and get a clearer idea of what you need to be or not be as a queer desi you know right uh there is gacy in india that is a wonderful resource to connect to people with um they have events they have programming they can put people in touch with other organizations that work for lgbtq rights uh, or just as a way to like form connections and be a part of a community. And I think that is so important for any minority. Uh, and that would I would say that would be the way to um, find some questions to these answers because they can never be yes or no. They can never be one yeah. way or another. Everyone kind of finds their way of... Yeah,
1: and I don't think there's a... I, I, I don't see a clear answer to problems like these because there will always be people who will... Not let this progress happen. Yes, because uh, obviously they gain political gains out of it. Yes, and the personal gains or any of those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I mean that that is pretty much the most difficult part of this whole thing.
0: But definitely be it sounds so cheesy, but just like be true to like what you feel your queer self is and what you need to do to be the best like queer person you can be. Find your community, and for the most part, like for most of these people that I know, uh, people come around. It's about introducing in a way that I mean, you have to be like slightly clever about these things to people who will absolutely like kick you out. You know, yeah, uh,
1: and it takes time to uh, normalize things. Yes, it will. I mean, that's a sad reality of the world.
0: Yeah, it's not a two-day process. Yeah, but I ho- I hope you're able to do that and if you ever need to reach out to me personally please do yes i'll I'll hopefully i'll put
1: a link to your website yeah on the podcast notes Mm -hmm. now let's come to a technical question which is about how do you license your uh, illustration
0: what is that? Which is about
1: copyright basics. And uh, uh, okay, so there were two questions that came mm-hmm. around this topic. Which yeah. is one uh, listener asked that when you are selling a photograph, you are selling the photograph, not the negative of it. Mm-hmm. So when you sell an illustration, do you uh, give out the Photoshop file or like, let's say the open file also, or you just sell
0: the? No, for the most part, I don't have to share open files. I know it's not common practice in India, but... <laughs> There is a thing called contracts uh, <laughs> that you, companies usually give before they give you work, or as they're giving you work. Before you start doing the actual work, you're supposed to sign it right. and read through it. Right. I'm not the best at reading through every single thing or right. figuring out what works for me, what doesn't. Usually, uh, I've or as I started out, I did it in good faith, and for the most part, things worked out. Um, I don't work with a lawyer to draft my contracts. Mm-hmm. If someone has to commission me for work. Yeah. I still don't like have them sign a contract. Oh, okay. It's just like, I, I do it in that sense that it's not business for me. Like it's a, it's, more person and that's probably not very professional at all no
1: no so uh, in fact i was talking to machinist which is a designer duo from malaysia okay uh, on the podcast i was talking to them they they make 3d art okay. so they were saying most of the times uh, in their business they get the contract from the client yes. so they don't have to figure this out exactly so, that so might that's be what case. i've done i've
0: mm. read through 15 page contracts i've read through <sighs> 2 page contracts right um and as long as nothing sounds completely Logy. fishy and if you're unsure please get a lawyer
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i uh, they are
0: cheap in india get them
1: you know the worst part is uh, i have of no there's a good part also i have worked with a lot of lawyers designing their brand identity and so on oh wow so now i have become more paranoid on these front uh-huh. so all of my documents go through a lawyer all before I touch my pen. Oh my
0: right. God! We need to be better friends. Give me, <laughs> give, me give me, this person's number. <laughs> no, definitely, and... <laughs> but
1: yeah, I mean, uh, it also makes you more paranoid because there yes. are some things you're sweating unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it is quite simple.
0: But definitely, at any point, if you're unsure, consult. It
1: was. Uh, I mean, I keep checking out these different classes online that don't deal with my discipline in particular. So we're checking one on illustration and licensing. So there was this uh, illustrator, she uh, said that there are different ways to license your illustration rather than saying that you sell the illustration. Mm-hmm. And you can license it that you will have 500 copies of something made. Yeah. So this is the price. Mm-hmm. If you want 1000, this is the price. And it's non-exclusive license, so so and so. Do you do all of those things?
0: No. So there... Uh, I work in mostly like an... It's an illustration that's not being sold as an illustration. It's accompanying a text. Oh, okay. And that's most of what illustration is. It always accompanies something mm. to be part of something. Bigger. Right, right, whether right. it's a book, whether it's an article. So the purpose is like already Yeah. explicitly yeah. mentioned. Right. If there are brands like in India, I work with Culture Shop. Right. Then they... Do they... Given outright fee? Maybe they don't. But they give you royalties and I get royalties all the time, which is really sweet.
1: Oh, royalties are really Royalties good. is such
0: a good word. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so... Is it
1: sustainable to have a royalty f- uh, on different work for really long?
0: I think royalties make sense for larger projects also because for publication projects, usually, especially for illustrators, um, even abroad, um that's how you're making money because Because no one is paying you outright like that giant a chunk of money. Right. And either way that upfront money is coming out of your royalties. Uh So if your advance is lower, Uh that means you start getting royalty money sooner because they've made that money. Mm
1: -hmm -hmm. Right, right, right. Right. I get you. I get you. So
0: um, I think it, it makes a lot of sense for that. But it's always good to know explicitly what your work is being used for. I've had companies that have used it everywhere uh, when and, uh, they when they only it? wanted to make t-shirts and mm. that's not a good feeling but I try not get too like pressed about it because if I wanted to like I could but it's it's also my fault like I should have signed a contract.
1: I definitely agree with you on those fronts because I feel sometimes uh, us designers uh, uh, do not think about business as much yes which we should start thinking mm-hmm. And uh, somebody wants to know about your pin collection including me
0: okay <laughs> it's it's turned into a problem um, I started... When I, I started when I moved to the States mostly Because <laughs> enamel pins are still not a thing in India yeah, 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 at least yeah. uh, For the most part I started wearing them because uh, my now partner was wearing a lot of pins So they got me two pins when they visited me And now when I moved to the States I was seeing cool pins everywhere uh, And I just started, I have spent so much money on pins I really should stop. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're cute accessory. They're great. Uh, what I Sometimes what I really like about pins is they can be extremely frivolous, but they can also be like accessible art objects Right. Uh, because there are people like uh, Takashi Murakami and James Jean who make pins mm-hmm. and they are fine artists now never be able to afford even their print. So uh. I... Feel very happy that I have like a part of (laughs) what they do uh, and the characters that they create as pins for my outfit. Um, Yeah, but should I insert a fun fact here? Yes, please go ahead. So, uh, have you ever
1: bought Chuba Chub's Lollipop? No, no, you know that the logo was made by Salvador Dali.
0: Are you serious? Yes, the logo. It's a beautiful type. So, in the lettering logo, thing. Yeah, they
1: changed it and tweaked it a little bit, but the original logo was made by Salvador Dali. So, each time you're oh, buying God. that, you're buying his work in a way.
0: Well, there you have it. So, so
1: that's that's what you were saying, right? Yes. So I yep. could relate to that. So, sometimes I just buy it because. <laughs> you,
0: know. you feel like you own a Dali. Yeah.
1: I'm rich, man. Yes. <laughs> yep. That so, is something
0: to be proud of.
1: Yeah. So, uh, a listener wants to know that Would Jajjot ever make apparel Based on his illustrations The The kind of things things he makes in his illustrations
0: I have answered this Very tempting and problematic question Maybe, maybe not Is the answer I'm really excited about fashion And I really like the idea of creating Original silhouettes And Mm. imagining bodies wearing them Mm -hmm. But I personally lack the technical ability to be able to turn them into garments. And I don't want to spend time roughing up, starting from but the bottom somebody, to get to a point. What if,
1: if somebody offers you that you make the design If it's, it's Jashjoth's right, collection?
0: If it's the right person, sure. I'm down. Sign so
1: yeah, this is a call from Jashjoth's end. <laughs> uh, if you're interested and you're listening to this, go ahead. There should be a Just Jashjoth collection.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm down.
1: So what's the next thing you're making?
0: Mm, I'm working on a zine, which is kind of like a step up from sick ladies in sick fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I t- I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel like kills like the vibe but, around it. Yeah, but um, the idea is that it's centered around the Gucci Fall Winter 18 or 19 collection, where they had a couple of white models or white passing models. Uh, Mm -hmm. wearing turbans and some of them were like turned uh, uh, it Uh, it
1: was misplaced it felt like somebody copy pasted it
0: it was yeah I don't know and I understood that the uh, context of the collection in the context of the collection like he was coming from like a place that wasn't like harmful but in also just when these calls are made at by brands like Gucci at a level where they're being showcased in I don't know Milan Fashion Week I I don't know where he shows but um, that these are harmful to the actual people because what they're doing is they're reducing identities to as props right. and these mm. have, I mean I'm not even bothered because it's like a religious thing or anything. Mm. It's just having if they just had a Sikh person walk the show wearing a turban or with their hair open, it, it being, would make complete sense right uh, because then they're giving up something that's obviously tied to their identity right. Um, so it's it's a zine in and around that. So I'm going to have an all Sikh cast wearing that collection in the zine.
1: You know, that that's, that's the interesting thing that, you know, rather than complaining about it too much, you're making something that will counter it.
0: I actually complained about it plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, no, but you're doing something about it, right? Yes. Because, I mean, because I
1: feel that, you know, uh, this is what is required. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I used to complain a lot about, you know, not having a podcast in India and everything is from West and so on. Mm-hmm. Then I later on realized that I have a mic, I have a voice, I have some experience. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. And that's my way of showing sure. it. Uh, I think misrepresentation is more harmful than lack of representation. Right. I and mean. it affects like real people and having been in the States for three years... I see that happen where there are so many instances of violence like towards Sikh people, especially post 9-11, right. because right. everyone thinks a person in a turban is out to bomb their country, which they're not. Uh, uh, so it's just my way of um, introducing this, like, this is what it could be if we, if I saw representation of my community. Right. And this is the reality where there's still so much violence towards people. So now find a way to join both of those things and create uh, something.
1: I'm waiting for that. Let's see when it comes out. I hope it's good. <laughs> Just show thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so it much. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: If you find conversations like this valuable and want to help me bring you more content like this, there are many ways you can support this podcast. You can leave a review on the platform you're listening to this podcast on. You can tell a friend about it or you can also share this podcast on social media. You can also extend a financial support. To know more about that, visit designthisway.com. Please know that I really appreciate your support and uh, if you have any comments, feedback, suggestion, feel free to get in touch with me on social media or email. You can get my email and social media links uh, on my website www.kawal.co. In my next episode, I have another interesting guest for you. So see you soon.